0: My two Veronica nick You must remember those words. Gordon Sutton. Jimmy, welcome back to Stories Out of Time and Space. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and as always, uh, I am with my fellow scientist thrown to another planet, Julian Darius. Julian, how are you doing? You okay? Uh I'm doing all right. Uh I'm looking forward to
1: this discussion.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this this week we are beginning. We talk about um uh Hard to be a God, uh the Russian film from twenty sixteen. Uh twenty fifteen, yeah. Um,
1: 2013. It, it was worked on oh, for a long time.
0: Oh yeah, this film. I I looked at some of the history and the, the and, you know the the guy who um, I'm going to struggle to pronounce some names and stuff, which I'm going to try and cover off. But uh, started making this died before it was completed, which is tragic. Um, and and he uh, friends, or I think it was his son actually um, completed the sounding and the, a lot of other stuff and the editing. So um, yeah, the filming lasted from 2000 to 20, 2006. Yeah.
1: And then the movie was finally released in 2013. Like, and, and, and he won, uh, Alexi German wanted to make this movie for like decades before that. Like
0: what is going on? Well, it's based on a, it's based on a novel that was written by the same guy uh, that wrote a uh, roadside picnic, which became stalker. Um, right. and so it has a similar sort of, um, yeah. Origin. Uh, but yes, released in 2013. um, Two hours and 57 minutes long. I includes credits, I would say. You say that, Scott, with such venom in your voice. Like, like you know. We shall Kathy get Julia, to it. You know? yeah.
1: <laughs> so what, what, the, what the viewers should know, what the viewers, the, the listeners should know, is that uh, I woke up
0: to an email from you <laughs> that said, I'm 30 minutes in, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> what like, the hell am I watching? um this is a fascinating yet grueling film is the only way I can describe this um say yeah alexei uh, german um is the um the director and and um i'm going to i'm not going to credit names because it's there's there's a lot of sort of uh, russian names i would butcher so i will put some names out there but um let's give a very brief premise of what this film is because it is based on a novel and I'm sure with a novel sort of uh, heeds closer to um a narrative being a different thing so the the the, the story is it's set in a distant distant future and scientists it says quite a lot i mean at one point it suggests like dozens of scientists have gone out into space
1: and like three dozen is the narration right yeah
0: and they have found a planet that is very much like Earth, but is about eight hundred or so sort of years uh, past of our history, and so is sort of like a mid-medieval period, um, and is about to, or is could possibly be on the verge of its renaissance. Um, however, they find that uh, instead of welcoming the renaissance, these people are executing. Uh, intelligent, you know, these people, not intelligent, but these these people of of education that can read, mm-hmm. they call, they refer to them as smart asses, uh, mm-hmm. or, and, and other wise
1: ass or wise ass, yeah. wise ass oh, is the American yeah.
0: smart ass is what they call them in the yeah. in the British okay. thing, um, and yeah, the, the uh, British
1: subtitles are different from the uh, yes. American, yeah,
0: okay. um, and so they are denigrated and, and executed, they are hung, uh, but not just sort of uh, men, men, women, and children are depicted in this. And what this film follows is uh one of these scientists, um, as he basically goes through a period of time before the castle he lives in is attacked by the call of the order, um, and how he is in unable and incapable of basically preventing the attack that's about to happen. So he just sort of visits all these friends and these people he's got to know. That it? That's sort of it, I think, in a nutshell. Yeah
1: roughly i mean Mm. i think that essentially he he's tricked by his friend you know it it winds up being his friend who shoots his he has a lover who's pregnant with his child um it seems and basically it seems is like in parenthesis for everything we're going to say about this movie uh every single statement but it seems as if his friend has killed with a crossbow bolt the lover in order to make him go off and attack the order, mm. um, which he then does, but that and does not he winds happen. Up killing a lot of people,
0: but that does not happen until about well, the very last late. very late into the film. The rest oh, yeah. of the film is him traveling around this castle area. Yeah, um, meeting with with different people. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah dealing mostly with different he's kinds wandering of around,
1: and it's yeah. like just is like the feel of uh, a, a medieval village, but also like very alien. And I think like. I mean, it kept reminding me of like, uh, you know, uh, Vendors or something, you know, just Mm. like very, you know, it's very rare that you get like really dirty depictions of the Middle Ages. Everybody wants to do it. Right. But like this is like to the this is probably taking it too far. Um, It's just all the streets are mud. uh, Everything is filthy.
0: I mean. You know, it certainly makes an impression. Oh, this, this film, I don't want, I've got, I gonna say I've got like a cast iron stomach, but this, mm-hmm. I had to stop at one point because this <laughs> this film made me feel physically sick. I'm so happy to hear that. That's
1: yeah. so, I wish I, I wish I could say the same. Yeah. Um, but there are a few points. Um, there's a point later on where uh, he is examining the, where the guts are falling out of a person not the only time that happens, and he and he is holding their still beating heart. <laughs> that I was like, "Wow, like this looks really good, actually." Oh yeah, um, especially given the budget of a few million over six years, you know, and it looks amazing. Uh, the black and white really makes it, it everything works. look extra gritty, yeah. and you can hide low budget better. Everything, you know, um, it, it really is remarkable.
0: The, the two bits so it was it was a bit of a build up I would say that that led me to feeling nauseous Because um, it's you are right this is possibly one of the dirtiest grimiest films I have ever seen um and I am gonna praise this film shortly don't worry I am but like so there's a number of things but the scene the one of the things I felt about this film is it's both um Huge, the, the environment is expansive and claustrophobic at times as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whenever he goes inside, and I want to talk about the technicality because that's where I'm going to give this film huge praise. Um, it feels incredibly claustrophobic. And I was sort of, I was laying on my sofa watching this 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 film, um, and I had to watch it. I was watching it on a tablet actually. Was was watching so it was quite close up with headphones on because no one else in the house wanted to watch this surprisingly um <laughs> this, this russian medieval film black and white um so i was watching it The this thing of like when he's when he's in there's a part and there's a um he's he keeps going inside but it felt very claustrophobic and there's all these chains and there's these ropes hanging down it just feels dirty like and it was animal carcasses and, yeah everywhere yeah, exactly and and just, it's just there's everything just debris the feels- on everything and everything is
1: every surface is like wet yeah, and it's not and like wet with like spit, and it's not and visceral. And blood, like people, and- yeah,
0: people spit in and like blow, blowing snot out the nose all the time. Like, but it built up to that film, and when he was just sort of touching, and it made me feel that made me feel nauseous. And then it gets up to, and this isn't this could sound weird, but there's a scene where right towards the end, I'd lasted quite a while, but there's a scene towards the end, and he goes to, and there's a there's a uh, you've seen all these dead bodies hanging, which is also incredibly well done. Mm-hmm. um it's, it's it's really is quite disturbing um but there's a scene where two women have been tortured to death uh using large wooden penis stakes is the only way Ballaces. I can describe it yeah. spikes yeah yeah right. and at one point he's leaning on one and the guy just says uh just so, basically one guy says, just so you know what your this is her insides and she's there. She's still moaning. She's still alive. And he basically just grabs it and he's like, "Oh, it's gooey," and then wipes it across his face. Oh yeah! And all of a sudden, that was like that was like where the point where my body went everything, like cumulatively across the film. My body just went. No, we need uh-huh. to. Do- yeah, you know. yeah. Literally, <laughs> like he opens his eyes and it sort of dripped. and my my body like literally my stomach uh, went. Ah, uh, yeah. Can we can we take a break? Sort of like black goo. It's like yeah. almost tar yeah but, and it's uh, a brilliant shot like he oh wipes it, is. it on his face and
1: then his eyes open and his eyes are so white
0: yeah yeah um but it, it my stomach just went yeah we need a break um get some water take a breath come back and finish this off and it really did like and so that no film has made me do that ever Wow, and and, and that, that so this film is, is a milestone in that that it five physically... stars
1: just for that. I mean, yeah. Um, well, we'll talk I think about... most people in their ratings, where they talk about like plot, acting, you know, they give Academy Award. <laughs> one of them is for can I produce visceral disgust, um, mm. and I think I think if you've accomplished that, I, there's a part <laughs> of me that just goes like, okay, you default into a five star rating just for being able to claim that.
0: I went into this film as cold. I I often try to do this with films, and we've talked about this a few times, of going into a film cold. I did it with Tokyo Gore Police, and I kind of enjoyed some of that stuff. I thought there was some great stuff in that. But I went into this knowing, I know what the plot is. I know what the synopsis is. I know what the blurb is. And that's Mm -hmm. enough. And I know what this is. And I'm going in thinking, yeah, the last time I watched a, a, a long Russian film was Solaris. And actually kind of enjoyed that. I thought it was good and, you know, it, it, it still carries with me. This is going to carry with me in a very different kind of way. <laughs> but... What? They're both... The thing is, they're both really
1: memorable films and they're mm. both kind of hard to get through. At yes. Times, um, and have long sequences that you think, I'm not sure why this sequence was made it into the final cut. Um But, you know, I would say, like, I started this film um very sort of like nonplussed sort of like okay i don't really there's this narration but the narration tells you very little yeah um you know and then it really isn't even until like halfway through that you realize like oh he's been sparing everybody in these duels and cutting off their ears and there's all this dialogue or oh, he's like oh wow you know um it still hurts you know and in, you know he's trying to save face and hide the fact that he's from earth. Right. Mm. Um, and people consider him a God, you know, so the the title is both. He's a God because he's from earth and knows lots of stuff, but also yeah. he's a God because uh, in the 20 or 30 years that he's been there, 20 years, something like that, they a rumor has started. However, it's, he's a sort of aristocrat, a baron. And, um, A rumor has started that he is the son of one of their gods. Yes, Um,
0: and he has he has built this up. He's allowed Mm. this rumor, but not only he allowed this rumor to spread, he's actually fed into it by wearing certain things and always being incredibly wearing these white Mm. shirts and stuff like so. He's made crystal on his forehead. Like yes, the costuming is amazing.
1: So like right away, the first thing that I like is I like the cinematography. It's it's all these long cuts just fantastic long cuts through, as you say, like this kind of claustrophobic, dirty, medieval, you know. I mean, if you think that like Star Wars and uh, Alien is like a used, dirty future, you know, when <laughs> you see that, right? <laughs> like, uh, I mean, oh my Lord. It, and, and you're right. Everybody is spitting the number of times where just like mud is on people's faces or thrown at somebody. And then you realize it's quite likely it's shit. Everybody mm. is sniffing things, going like, it smells like shit, it, you know. It's very disgusting and very wet and very dirty. And the, Yeah, um, well, it's one of those it, films I'd that... say the first hour is just kind of like more about that experience,
0: right? And, I think the whole film at, at the... is, I would say, yeah. I think so
1: too, but I'd say it, it takes me like about an hour until I settle in maybe like by half an hour I'm like okay I'm just enjoying the ambiance at this point like I know European cinema I know what this is right Mm. like I'm just I'm enjoying the ambiance the feeling this is about that feeling more than it is the plot right and it's not going to give me those usual things right I mean I've seen Fellini I can get through right Um, but then by about the half point I'm actually like really kind of mildly riveted you know like I'm actually like in a plot and you know, I'm worried about what's going to happen. And, you know, at that point, it becomes clearer, you know, that he's sort of like resisting taking any action. And he's trying to rescue these people who are sort of intellectuals and poets and people like that. Um, there's more of a clear plot, even though it's sort of hidden, right? You know, it's it's hidden in this, this sort of dialogue where every line of dialogue is a non sequitur. It's yeah. an alien culture, you know, like. Um But well, I interrupt.
0: No, 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 because you're right. I think that's the thing. This this film is not. You say about the plot, like I had to work really hard to get to understand. Like, so the 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 final the finale of the film. Yeah, you, know, you say that the, because I, I think it need you need to sort of understand the ending to understand the the rest of the film, the, the the what came before it, really. So you're right. So there's this woman you, you've met several times, and she keeps saying to him, I, you need to take me to a doctor so I can be proven that I'm pregnant and all this other stuff. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And it's all, sort of, we'll deal with it. And it's all very sort of like odd as many things are. But she is then killed uh, by a bolt through the face, or by the back of the head. <laughs> and it sort of, it, it, it does, it becomes it. But you never see the battle. Like there is no battle it just becomes the aftermath of the thing. You know the order is coming um, or is there. They, they are mentioned throughout the film. This thing of the order, very much made like you know, like the Spanish Inquisition or this anti-intellectual thing. They are there to sort of prevent smart asses and sort of thing. And so all you get is the aftermath of this battle and then you obviously find out, as you say, about this other person that sort of seems to have set it up. But... That that's it like it's not like and what I was curious, what mm-hmm. I find fascinating is it's not like say a Lord of the Rings where you're leading up to the Battle of Helm's Deep or anything like that like the battle happens off screen is a it's a it's a sort of a, almost like a smash cut between this happens and then bump there's a kid rummaging around through dead bodies looking for bits and pieces like it's really sort of like keeps punching you in the face but you've got to keep up with what's going on um But one of the things I find that's more fascinating about this is the plot, knowing the environment and knowing the world that it's set in, which is sort of, I get that. So one of the things I start to learn, rather than the the plot to me was irrelevant. And I, you know how character-driven and plot-driven I am. That was irritating the crap out of me. So by an hour hour in, I was really struggling. I'm going like, they keep going from... He keeps going from shithole to shithole. I don't know what's going on. Like, where <laughs> is wa- He
1: mostly seems to be wandering around, right? Yeah. Like, it's not even clear and, no. and interacting with people in non-sequitur sort of ways. And, mm. Yeah, I but can the, see the, the frustration.
0: But there are lines that keep popping up and, like, tickling my ear. And there was one in particular that really got to this whole thing of the anti-intellectual. So these they said, the poets, the intellects being killed off. And their families—I should say—not just them, but they highlight at one point their families. Like they're not living anything to chance. There's a guy who I'm not sure if he's a priest or what he is, but he starts saying to the main character that um, <clears throat> you can breathe free. You can breathe better in a free Dakar, which is the name of the the, the town or this castle city. And it's this idea that the, because they're killing off these intellectuals, like they—it's a free city. There's no, there's no oppression. We can free. We are a free place. This idea of freedom. And I was thinking, what is this film being made in response to? Is it an anti-communist film? Is this sort of like a post, you know, communist film of sort of like you know, or actually this feels very much like um, the joke Bill Hicks does about being, you know, well we got ourselves a reader, you know, that sort of anti-intellectualism of being free, but like not being made to look stupid. And so there was these little moments throughout. That really the humor is 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 continually sort of bodily function it's low it's base humor like there's fart gags and and like not not to be funny like the jokes aren't supposed mm. to be funny, but it's like people interacting with fart jokes and, and like you say and, and literal filth and so they're supposed to be shown to be ignorant and stupid and I'm going like I get what's happening here but i'm I'm grasping at things in, in a good way I and I like part of the challenge but I need I so much needed something else. <laughs>
1: No, I know. I know what you mean. I mean, I, I'm a writer and I, Mm. you know, uh, I mean a fiction writer and I would always tell somebody who's writing, you know, like make the plot clear, right? Mm. If your audience doesn't know the plot, it's a problem, right? But of course there are always exceptions to every rule. And, you know, obviously European cinema is a little more willing to, you know, uh, forgo those, those kinds of rules. Um, so yeah i mean i i share that kind of frustration um i do that thing about the fart Mm. jokes and and all this sort of thing is it's probably the best representation i've ever seen of medieval humor Mm. like medieval medieval humor is very crude and very stupid and uh, and and even though it's all pious religious nonsense it's filled with you know like the miller's tale and, and all the you know Medieval writing is like its concept of humor is like, you know. And then he fought it,
0: <laughs> you know. It's like, uh, you know, Bass. The yeah, kind of
1: from, sort of.
0: uh, yeah, you know,
1: South Park or something. Mm.
0: Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, at one point, it's, like, it's they, really they, dumb. And also, very sort of um, genital based. Like, you know, at one point, mm-hmm. someone grabs his, grabs his his cod piece, and just, they're like, mm. "Oh, well, you've actually got a penis. Like, you know, you've actually got one. Like, unlike, unlike the bishop." Kind of thing, and you're like, there's all these kind of things going on, and like you said, because they're non sequiturs. I'm like, that's got no context. Like, I have no idea if that's like a, a jo- inside yeah. joke or whatever. Like, you don't know. You're not supposed to, I suppose. But yeah, yeah. Well,
1: no, I mean, and I think it's this idea that you know we talked about with um, the Godard film um, mm-hmm. of sort of like this is a foreign society where its cultural references aren't yours, right? Yeah. And so, of course, you're going to be kind of lost. And I really like that, Um, you know, I mean, the number of times where somebody grabs somebody's, you know, penis, is, you know, really (laughs) remarkable. It's like I found myself thinking of like, I I really like the movie Sin City, but having seen it with people who were not comic book people, I was like, you know, there is that sort of like, okay, the number of times that a face is pushed into a toilet, uh, (laughs) you know, that has stuff in it is is oh, maybe too many times right the number yeah. of times where somebody's crotch is grabbed but then i did find myself thinking and i think this is very accurate and i don't think we usually see it um of this idea of just sort of how cheap life was mm. and you know yeah people love their kids and people you know want to stay alive but you know that the like the slaves you see um the constant presence of just Death and you know uh disease and just you know you know one of the things that I always object to in every ver- depiction of the Middle Ages is, is like straight teeth. Everybody is six foot tall yeah. and they have straight teeth and their faces look like our faces. No, they all had diseases. They all had the teeth were rotten. You know, um and it's not to say that medieval people had no concept of hygiene or anything else. You know, that is exaggerated, but. They're, you know you know they had acne scars and, and everything else and you just you really see that here
0: i don't even know where they found all these actors like it's well, amazing that's something i wanted to highlight you, there's, there's two things from what you've said there is uh there's there's, there's three things i want to quick so two are very connected but the first thing is this idea of filth and you've said about this depiction of the middle ages they did it's quite accurate that's an actual castle that i think was in uh, it was not Russian. It's it's somewhere else. But they've they've done this thing. But there's a scene where there's a there's a guy. You'd literally see a, a lavatory. So what? Then all is true. There would be a wooden box on the outside of the castle that was basically with a hole in it that they just defecate through, and that was it. And it would just land on the floor. And then it was someone's job to take that away. That was the job. And you see one of these guys, and he's there sort of like... But he's using his hands to, to shift stuff mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. And you hear all this this thing that's going on. Like I said, this this level of filth. And you see these people... At like the start, the very opening of the film is a woman being carried away. And the suggestion is that she's, that she's being wed, and they're off to, you know... Uh, this is their wedding night thing. But like they're slipping into the water. It's, it's slipping in the mud. Um, and I just... But... It's 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 so tactile in that way throughout the film, um, and I think the inside scenes are confusing but claustrophobic, and they sort of this thing of because one of the things I think that you know especially, uh, I mean, you know if you go to Europe and you go to a medieval castle, one of the things that sort of is is forgotten about is if if I was to go to a medieval castle that exists in the in the UK somewhere now or in France or Germany or wherever, right, it's empty. We are walking into mm-hmm. a ruin. So you walk mm-hmm. into a room and you go, oh, this is quite a big room or whatever. No, 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 that room probably had 12 people in it doing whatever. Like it was that flat place was crowded. It had loads of stuff in it. The bedrooms were like, cause they didn't have quilts and covers. It would have been animal skins that made up the beds and all this other stuff. Like, and live animals. And live all those animals castles were filled with live animals. Yes, yeah. Wandering so, through the yeah, castle. <laughs> so that cost. Exactly. Yeah. But one of the things I found interesting is because it's so tactile. One of the things he does, he has a scarf. He has like lots and lots of white scarfs, and he keeps sort of he drops them several times throughout the film. But the, what's clear is after a while, they are perfumed, and he is sniffing them, and he keeps holding them to his nose. And mm-hmm. other people keep mm-hmm. grabbing them and sniffing them because that smells nice. It's oil it's perfumed, and once they get dirty, he drops them and leaves on. Like the, he does it mm-hmm. several times where, and people grab them, and that you see them in the background. That there's this thing of like just grabbing, not so much fighting, but someone will grab it, and that's it. They've got this thing from this god, this son of a god. Um, but one of the massive things i re- you were talking about the actors. How many actors? One of the things that that, that quickly struck me, and I want to I want to praise this film for is one of the most impressive things. I'm you know when um, I'm always impressed with background actors. I'm always impressed with when you see films of war or whatever, and they'll show you like you know. Hundreds of soldiers in a row, or whatever, right? And you go, oh, it's a lot of people. They've had to organise a lot of people in that, and they'll give you like background acting. But this film is so it's 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 depictions are so layered. Like this film Mm -hmm. has got like this film has got like uh, immediate. I'm not going to say foreground. It's like immediate in your face. Then the foreground, then the mid ground, and then the far off. And there is something happening all the time throughout all of it yes like this that's a very good point this feels like a lived in space like if i could i'm not going to watch this film again but if you were to watch (laughs) if you were to watch scenes again like you could sit and just watch the background Mm -hmm. you could sit and just watch the background and you go my god there is something going on in every scene in the background there are people doing things there are people going on about their lives and what this made me think of, especially in the foreground, because this film is, and it it took me, and I was so annoyed with myself that it took me a little <laughs> while to realise this. This, although we are following this film's a documentary, mm-hmm. and I did not yeah. get that this film's a found footage film, if you want to call it that in that sense, because I'm not really clear on that. But uh, yeah, okay, I, I think it is, and I'll say what, and I'll tell you why because I, I love all this thing; it feels real. Mm-hmm. Because people whoever is that lens, the you that you are the lens right you are the mm-hmm. cameraman There's the viewer, you are the cameraman going through all this utter filth and all these people mm-hmm. and there are a number of times when people stop mm-hmm. and look you in the face. Oh yeah. Or, or, and it, or it talk made, to the camera. Or talk to the camera, like literally yeah. and just off kilter lines or there's people flagging things in front of the camera and all this other stuff like chicken legs or, or mud or a bit of rope. And there's a point where someone's like, the, the, one of the reasons like it made me realize about those scarves is someone grabs it and waves it in front of the camera and then it mm-hmm. moves off. um, And you see things parting for the camera, like cloth and ropes yeah. and things move out the way. What it reminded me of, and this is the point I wanted to get to, and why I was so impressed with the technicality of how this has been put together, because some of these scenes, if you said cut on one of these and someone blew their line or whatever, oh resetting one of these must have been a bloody oh, night- God. nightmare. Yeah, they're like 20 minute, 20 minute walking talks <laughs> with like
1: yeah. like you know, a hundred people in the background of everything. Yeah. I am yeah, convinced I that there disagree.
0: must there must be like bloopers within the film where they've gone, carry on, go, go, oh, yeah. just keep going. But one of the things I was fascinated with, it made me think of, you know, when you see footage from World War One, like this this is what it hit me with. Footage of World War One and you see like the, the guys in the trench or whatever or in a hospital and you see all these people like wrapped in bleeding bandages and covered in filth in the trenches, but they'll all sort of go, hello. All right. What's mm. that? a camera. And they'll all get in front and you'll see someone's face. And it's like I was like, this is like watching early camera footage from the, the you know, the, the late Victorian early, early sort of 20th century. Mm. It really had that where I was like, that's what this kept feeling to me. Like, I, I don't know what this all is. But this feels real. Like this feels like I am capturing something live. Foreground, background, mid ground, immediate, like everything. And I was so. That's why I think I felt so sick. If I'm honest, Mm -hmm. not just the viscerality of it all, but this thing of like, it's real. Like this feels real in a bizarre way that I can't quite explain. To me, this is all brilliant. I mean, you know, I I mean,
1: you're you're putting it better than i can and you know uh, all of this is the highest praise imaginable Mm. um, that it's managed to do this um i found the that was one of my theories about the camera um you know as you say it's clear people are looking at the camera yeah after a while, it's very clear. This isn't just like an actor's mistake or something like that. This is, you know, intentional that yeah, talk yeah. to the camera, show things to the camera throughout. But then there are other times where the camera's not there. Um, or it seems like it's not there where, you know, you see the, the order coming through and, you know, one of them sort of looks at the camera, but they're not reacting as if there's a person standing there mm. that they're going to take some action against or not. Right. so, maybe a camera's been hidden. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it never explains what's going on. And and if there were a camera camera, like you're yeah. saying, people are reacting to being filmed. I love that theory. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's quite brilliant. Um, I it, it did run through my head. But I wonder, like, you know, if it were a, a camera, like a box or something, people would see it right i mean there'd mm. be some sort of it would be incongruous there'd be some discussion about it or something mm. um is it is it like a body cam of a police officer where I, I know, thought it's gonna be taken yeah. back to earth mm. um but then again you know this is ambiguous I, I i don't know what the answer is but it's fascinating.
0: And that's the that ambiguity both fascinated and frustrated because you're right there are several scenes like his the discussion with the with the woman who is possibly his partner who's pregnant and there's a couple of others, as you say, where it's like, oh, this is clearly not like a found footage, like a captured thing. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes that scene will literally have the main character turn around, almost like beckoning someone through, and the camera then follows him. So I'm like, oh, is it supposed to be? So there's an inconsistency that gets that in itself becomes um, frustrating because mm-hmm. it's like, are you supposed to be? But what I find is that like, it's almost like the truest form of a fly on the wall, but you you are being acknowledged, so you are there. You know, mm-hmm. you you. It may not be a camera, but I think that what the intent is of um, Alesky German is to make you feel like you are there. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and that's certainly achieved, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. we both said it. Um, I mean, could you imagine watching? This? I watched this on a tablet, and it was it was quite close right. up. But can you imagine watching this on like a VR helmet?
1: Yeah well or in the theaters um <laughs> i mean i watched this on a big screen tv yeah. um you know and it certainly made an impression um yeah but i mean i think this is this is sort of high praise it does strike me that uh, you know i'm willing to go along with the okay like the first half the first hour to hour and 30 is sort of just for me i'm immersed in this culture i'm immersed mm. in like it's going to take you half an hour just to realize what's going on in this movie. Right. That like Mm. in the sense of just, yeah, go with it. Your everything that you've just said of experiencing the middle ages and, and and there are differences. I mean, Mm. you know, there are things where clearly you could not repurpose this footage as medieval footage in on earth. Right. There are these subtle differences that are fascinating. And, And every time you sort of notice them, you know, sort of the crests and the sort of like the crystal on his head and you know sort of things like this you're like oh my lord this is you know it made me think of uh, Villeneuve's Doom where we Mm -hmm. said um, you know this feels lived in this feels like every end table has been designed within an inch of its life except that's very clean and antiseptic and and this is obviously the the opposite end but it has that same sense of I really believe this is a real place, and yes. I'm immersed utterly. And I think that first hour is mostly just immersing you. And I'm sure rewatching it, I would find tons of clues that I didn't the first time through. But,
0: and I think that's the thing. This this it's one of those odd things. This film demands rewatching, but is almost impossible to rewatch. In my opinion. <laughs> Um, you, you say it's high praise, and you're right for what it is as an art piece, and that's what this is. I, I, ref, I almost refuse to call this a film because narrative. There's a narrative missing. It is a film, but you know, oh, it's not a movie. Let me put it that way. Like you know, we're not looking at a plot. I'm not. It's not building to a climax. It's, it's missing those bits. This is an art piece about uh, mood. This is gaining mm. a visceral reaction as a viewer. Um, which I think you know, like you say, some some films wish they could do and and don't ever really get there. Um, but the um, the other thing is, I'm watching this and I say, it's just, just that first as you say, is the is the immersion. Um, one mm. of the things I find is the fact that they're, they're determined to prove to you, to say to you, it's an alien culture, and it is. Like you say, there's different bits and pieces about. When they they kill people, they hang them up and they cover them in fish guts and fish scales because that's what attracts the birds to peck out their eyes. And
1: yeah. have all these,
0: and which is hor- horrifying throughout it. <laughs> um, and there's all these other different bits and pieces that are very alien. The the, 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 it's not an issue, and this may even be incorrect, but it's sort of like but the middle ages. Firstly, they're called the middle ages for a reason. Uh, but the Middle Ages exist because of events in, very specific events in Europe at that period. The Middle Ages exist because of the fall of the Roman Empire and the reversion of many countries back to specific things because there was a vacuum of leadership, especially in Britain <clears throat> and in, in parts of, you know, in, in that sort of France. We were re-reverted back to a part of what was left behind, but to a, a, a feudal system. And you know, um, uh, okay. land was taken, lords were created. It was bloody really chaos for for a, for a portion of it. <clears throat> and you know, the reason it's called the Dark Ages, not th- incorrectly really, is because you no know, records were really kept um, in certain parts. Because you know, and all this other stuff. Like it existed because of
1: phenomenally ignorant. Oh, and hostile to the concept of because
0: uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, which is very much what this film is about. But yeah, which is right. But it happened because of the fall of another empire, and that's always one of these things that bothers me about fantasy films. Other things when they're like, oh, it's a faux middle age area, and I'm like, no, for, for God's sake, like stop doing this, 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 this faux middle ageness, but. It feels like in this film, like the one thing I feel it's missing, if I'm anything, is like I would, I don't know how you do it, but I almost want the context of the rest of the history of this planet. Of like, yeah, why why have they got to this point? Like, almost like just some offhanded comment would be useful to be like, you know, in the narration of like, there was no fall of the Roman Empire or anything like that, or you know, this could it has not been in disarray or whatever but like this is just a natural progression and that's what you're supposed to take but it, i don't know it just feels oddly convenient that it feels like the european middle ages
1: well i mean it's a case of parallel development and yeah. you know um and, and i want to talk about that in a second i think this point about the middle ages is interesting um you know you're right of course but you know uh i've been reading a bunch of uh roman stuff for comics i'm writing mm. and you know, like it never wasn't the middle ages in
0: France. Oh yeah. yeah. yeah you yeah. know,
1: like, I mean, Marseille was a pretty strong point port, but I mean, like, you know, if you were in Gaul or, uh, 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 Germania, you know, I mean, it was like, if you were lucky to have a castle, there were a lot of, you know, Roman towns that were basically, you know, all the structures were wood slapped mm-hmm, together. Mm-hmm. You know, it looked like the, the old West trapper town, you know? Um, and, yeah, I mean, there were clay structures and all of this. But, I mean, like when we think of the Middle Ages, like that level of technology, the issue isn't that that, like, that is like unique to the Middle Ages. Um, you know, the that was always the way it always was. Um, uh, yeah, no, I think maybe I'm
0: not articulating, because what I mean is, the feudal uh,
1: kind of like
0: the feudal war, thing, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, 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 because right. you're right. But in, in, I mean, in this country, at least, like you know, the the, the Romans came in and, and they united in some cases a lot of the tribes, not in a positive way. They I mean they basically beat the crap out of people until they submitted, like you know, um. The Romans did you're talking? Yeah, the Romans came in and they sort of like you know they had they had certain tribes and certain and and certain kingdoms that sort of that gave over very easily. Then you have sort of like uh, Boudicca or Boudicca, whichever way you pronounce it, fought back. They obviously reached the Scottish and were like, yeah, not having any of that. Thank you very much. We'll just build a wall. Um, And so Britain was very much sort of like a in that we we you know I think Britain at least parts of it were very Romanized others less so but it mm-hmm. was, there was always where it was less so there was still these sort of Saxonized uh um, you know nomadic in some cases tribes they'd sort of you know <clears throat> and when the when the Romans left this couldn't this country in particular fell into sort of chaos and we, we get the multiple kingdoms mm-hmm. um you know Mercia and uh you know London London was the thing that people think of is like well London has always been your capital now London's always been there but it wasn't unified. Like this country was not unified really in in, in the same way that people think of it today. Like it was a multiple of kingdoms. Uh, And in fact, at one point, Mercia, which is where I live, funnily enough, just down Mm -hmm. the road from us was actually the capital of the country at one point. Um, London was, was, was instituted by the Romans and other stuff. But Mm -hmm. when we, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. When we did fall back following the, the, the Roman Empire, like it was a complete lack of leadership the Structure that had been put in place collapsed, and so people there was. There was, we went back to this battling, this kingdom sort of fiefdom, this feudalism, because it was always about fighting, and, and um, and that's where you get like you know, the, the kings of England are the kings trying to unite those tribes and stuff, and it goes into a whole load of stuff, but um, yeah, you know, it took hundreds of years really to get to. But this country, you know, and and well. But yeah but know, point, the point the point is of like there's a lot of history that came to that point of right. the technology the castles the Mott and bailey castles were wooden the stone castles and everything that's depicted didn't come till much later you know they really came to the late middle ages and i know that's what this is because they talk about the renaissance yeah. on the verge of like this film and in this film if it was being our history is probably looking at like 12th century um 11th and 12th yeah you know, i don't know there's a there's a Depends period what
1: country right because yeah. the renaissance is
0: very much apart
1: yeah depending on which parts. country oh, yeah. you're in
0: yeah we didn't um, get it for, we didn't get it for quite some time in this country that's um, true and, italy uh, was
1: like cruising along in the 1200s <laughs> and you're like yeah. 1600s you know yeah
0: um, we took our time much like we do with everything else um
1: yeah whereas we in america are pure of all of this <laughs> uh you know we never oppressed uh <laughs> yeah. local tribes um
0: so yeah no, it is I fascinating mean, but, saying, uh, but uh, it's yeah you know
1: I, I think that you can get a medieval level of technology. Yeah, and and I think that the other thing is that history doesn't go in a straight pattern, right? So if you think about like a roughly medieval level of technology, that makes sense. But also the idea of the Middle Ages is just the response to the the last collapse. Yes. right. So like it, the the you know the sort of like up and then down mm. a little on up and then that's it's any pattern, right? It's not straight up. But, you know, think about the like Bronze Age collapse, right? Mm-hmm. It was much mm-hmm. worse than the the Roman collapse um, that set humanity back a thousand years, you know. Mm. Um, and is little understood. You know, we talk about the Sea Peoples and, you know, uh, eruptions and, and all of this. Um, but basically, society got knocked back and it could have just progressed and we would have been at like much the further Roman Empire yeah. 500 years later. And instead, you know, it takes 2,000 years. Um, so, I mean, in other words, like the Roman Empire, some sort of, there. there's always this sort of pattern. So, mm. yeah, I know what you're saying. I would like to see more of the world. I'd like to see more of the history. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, in this immersion style, we don't get it, right? We don't even mm. get to see, like, the rocket ships that have taken them here from Earth, right? So,
0: yeah and that's yeah and but that's interesting in itself i think um so yeah but you that's the thing about the history and that's so that sort of it didn't bother me so much but i did i did i felt like there was a you know i I, I, i think i just get annoyed by this in other fantasy things that like oh it's easy to have a a medieval depiction of this fantasy world i'm like yeah come on be different do something different but i know this point this history this film is specific for that i like that you don't get to see um the spaceships i'm glad because mm. I, I don't want it to ruin the immersion into this environment i kind of also like that the scientists have gone native
1: mm. Uh huh. yeah
0: um and when you do meet them because they meet in a group and they start talking and stuff there's a there's a sort of like a, a a group that you kind of get to see and they're talking about going back to what it is on earth and stuff, but they have wholeheartedly accepted this world (laughs) and where it's at and the debauchery that's involved in it. And I kind of like that, that they have gone native and that's fascinating. Um, Yeah. I like that too. I mean, so, so, but
1: let's take a step back. And one thing that I kept thinking through the whole thing is, um, you know, I'm a fan of like the left hand of darkness, the Left End of Darkness is basically a Star Trek episode. Hmm. Um, you know, it's a little different. This is a Star Trek episode. Hmm. Um, so imagine, right, that like Kirk and crew have gone down to a planet and they're there to monitor, right? It's like those episodes where like Riker secretly, you know, changed to look like them, whatever. Obviously, there's no need for altering the appearance. But, you know, the the people from the Federation except, you know, it's a little different. It's some sort of communist earth or whatever, mm. but that's not important, um, have been monitoring and they're not supposed to interfere, right? Except the civilization they're monitoring is horrific. Yeah. It's stuck in this Middle Ages. There's the order, which is like we saw this on the original show, right? Mm. With like the Nazi planet and you know, piece of the action and all this stuff. I mean, these cases of parallel development, right? So this is like a Star Trek episode that begins 20 years into this dude's mission (laughs) where they've all gone native and they're all like trying not to um, affect the timeline, affect this planet's development. But also like going, that's really hard to do. It's, you know, we're connected now and this is terrible and we know how terrible it is. And eventually the main character is like, forget it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to break the rules uh, it, 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 i think yeah. if you think of it like that it's a
0: really fascinating uh, oh yeah way to view it it's and that's the thing this isn't like an anthropological experiment isn't it this is that thing of like um what they say you know, the moment you view something you change you change the way it works um and that's what they've done, but they've gone further like they obviously inserted in this they formed friendships and they've formed connections and all this other stuff and it's almost like he's being punished like you say he's set up to be punished for all these things and it's almost like this is um you know this is almost like his, his goodbye like he's going around all these characters to meet all these people and and um but making sure what i think's interesting about that is like you say he's trying not to intervene or interfere like apart from being seen as a god and I look I kinda of like the title of the I I it's a little on the nose, but the title of the film is a line that he repeats several times. And he says to the scientist at the end of it, like if you're gonna go back to earth and you're gonna tell them what happened here, just tell them it's hard to be a god. Like that's his thing, like to stay and to be to be in that position, the Messiah, is actually really difficult and to not interfere. Um but he is because there's times when he he goes like there's a baron that he meets this big burly like beardy guy that he meets so who ends up in a cage later. But he's given him a weapon. He gives him a sword that they've dealt with that he's he it appears that he has had a hand in creating, and he uses then to cut this massive wooden shitty mm. chair in half. Um And it, so he's actually furnishing them with weapons in some way, but like on the sly um and again like mm. i'm only inferring this like it's never said it's just yeah. what i'm in. it's what i'm i'm taking from what i'm being shown and that's what this film is is, is throughout is like you have to sort of go i'm sure i think that's what i'm seeing And i'm taking from the information i'm mm. given that that's what's happening but yeah he's sort of interfering but like trying to do it on you know quietly with different bits and pieces
1: yeah yeah and it is sort of like i mean and they clearly do have a kind of prime directive mm. um you know that that he's violating um and that's an interesting scene because there there are two spots where we have something like this that i noticed um but there's an earlier scene where a dagger or something is being scraped across cloth or something like this and it's
0: lights yeah yeah, yeah. yes
1: and so in the same scene where he uses the sword to cut the uh chair in half there it sparks when it Mm. hits the chair and I found myself wondering, like, is this, is this the technology, that this is just advanced technology, or is this something in the air that like the chemical compounds work differently on this planet? I don't know. But
0: it's interesting. It is. And like I say, but it never confirms it. And I do like the no. one, like, that, that is true. It does give you this thing of um what is what has happened. Like, there's, there's clearly been an earlier interaction between these people. Like you're not seeing the start or even the end of some of the sort of conversations and tales that are going on. Like you are seeing, as you said, non sequiturs or like a mid part of an interaction. That's like, we've had this conversation before. Here's a, here's an update and I will we'll finish it off another time. And you're like, hang on. So what do you mean? <laughs> another time? Like, I want to know what's going on. Um, And it happens over and over again. So there's characters that are introduced. Um, Cause there's one guy later on that's going to, that keeps threatening to kill him. And he ends up like, you know, having a bit of a, a tussle with him uh, and all this other stuff. And you're like, okay, well, what's that all about? Like, I had no real clue what was going on at that point. I was like, okay. like, um, And there's this small boy that keeps following them around that's mm. a, that a, a, it turns out to be linked with this other scientist. And he knows about Earth. This boy knows about Earth. Because mm-hmm. he says later on about well, when you get back to Earth, you're going to be imprisoned or court-martialed, even it says. And it's like, well, mm. how, how come how this boy? Who's this kid then? Is he like a child of one of the scientists? Like, what does he know? Because he's a vile little
1: <laughs> rat back.
0: Like he's literally going on stealing from the dead bodies in the in the battlefield and stuff. So I'm never a hundred percent like as you say, like I don't know who is how you know what is the order of things in this situation like who is actually in the in the taking the lead like what are people's roles in this yeah there's there's the chaos of it as well
1: well and i will i will say although i think this is brilliantly shot um Mm. you know obviously a masterpiece in terms of cinematography and set design and, and costuming and and everything i mean it's just like a visionary accomplishment That ambiguity, you know, um, you know, we talked about it in Alphaville. Like, look, we are English-speaking audience members. Mm -hmm. We want a little... We're also educated, you know, we can tolerate ambiguity. Like, how hard is it to just have, like, a few lines of dialogue somewhere along the way that would establish these things, right? Um, You know, where since i met you to the boy right like you know yeah i mean it can be artificial but you know when they follow gangsters around with uh recording devices they'll say like it's a shame he's gone you know like you got him good you know like they do establish this stuff mm. um, and and i think that a little bit of that it's amazing how much you know a few sentences can do in terms of just establishing you know What's his mission? What's really going on with X, Y, and Z?
0: It's interesting because it, it yes, hundred percent. I agree with what you're saying because that's the thing is it definitely has this feel of there's a purpose to what's going on. Like him traveling around this castle and doing these things has a purpose. Like he is doing it for a reason. You know he knows things and he is imparting information or he is interacting in a certain way to do certain things. But I'm watching it, and in my head I'm saying, like it feels like there's a purpose. I don't know what that purpose is. I don't know how one scene connects to another because the scenes Mm -hmm. don't have a continuity. It's not like it's a difference between this is one of those films that's definitely like this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened rather than this happened and so they went on to do this thing and that was then resulted in this person getting involved and this thing happening like there's le- so little interconnectivity between this that i'm sure that there are scenes that cuz even the editing on this is very good that you could take this this whole film at least the first two hours of it, let's say, right? Leave the, the last 50 minutes. There's those first ones. You could jumble an awful lot of those scenes and it would be exactly the same. Um, and I think that's part of the problem is I'm going, well, it means nothing then it really is a difficult situation. Well, you say that's a, uh, that's a
1: problem, but I think that if the point of those scenes is more sort of ambiance, um, and, then it's not necessarily a problem. And I do have the sense, like, I, you know, there are things like, I wish there were a line about, you know, who the cameraman is or what's going on with that. Um, Because you you say it seems inconsistent. Um, But I do have the sense that at least most of these questions are answered in the film, or at least that the filmmaker knew the answers to it, Mm -hmm. even if we don't. Um, So, so with that in mind, I think that the, Order of those scenes matters, right? I mean, he's doing something going around the the castle. I mean, there's stuff that we don't understand. That there's an answer to. I think that answer should be in the movie.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure that it is, but you know, yeah, I think that I think that's the case. You're probably right that there is an order, and I think you know, if I was if I was to watch this back in quick succession, you'd probably identify some of that. as to why there are these things are happening, um, because there are scenes. That I think you know, at its running time, and I will go on. It's two hours and fifty-seven minutes. It's a three-hour film. There are scenes that you do sort of go, "This could probably have been cut," but when you get to the end, I think, as you say, like okay, it's it's been made like this for a purpose. I mean, there's a really interesting scene. You say about him trying to save these people. There's a scene where he saves a slave. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a slave, this is
1: fascinating.
0: And he cuts the the slaves' um, chain. Chain. um At one point, he's going to do it like right next to his face, and then he's like, "Oh no, I'll do it over here." And he sort of cuts it a bit further away, and you get that full sparking in the whole thing again. The chain breaks, mm-hmm. and the 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 slaves like, "I'm free, I'm free." It's got the still got this stock around his neck, and he runs off, and then he dies.
1: Yeah, it's very strange. There's a um, and in fact uh, was it the boy? Somebody else in that scene says, "Why are you freeing him? He's yeah. been I love this. They say he's been in chains since he was three, mm. right? Like so he doesn't know anything else. I mean this is like and you and he's just like he'll die, and you think it's sort of like oh it's um you know like you can't release a a dog into the wild. You yeah, know,
0: they they don't have dog- the survival. They don't have the survival instincts and stuff. Right
1: you can't take a zoo animal, right? You know,
0: exactly as you say,
1: but then he's, he's sort of this freed man who's still in the stocks. I don't know why you wouldn't cut off the stocks, (laughs) except there are a lot of slaves and that seems to be the indicator of slave, but I don't know why that's not removed, but then he runs sort of along a building, rethinks what he's doing and starts running back and then falls down dead. Mm. And he apparently really is dead. And so I found myself wondering like, is this like a, a, you know, an animal who, you know, sometimes animals die in the headlights or mm. a heart attack because they just can't deal, deal with it. Is this, has this, the humans of this planet, are they prone to dying of, uh, you know, the, that kind of like heart attack when they're, when they're in unforeseen
0: circumstances? Uh, I don't know. I, I have no answer to be honest. It's a bizarre thing, but, Uh, Because the slaves, and there are lots of slaves, there are people in stocks in this, and it's clear, like, you know, um, are treated, and this is what's fascinating, they are treated horrendously, like, you know, in in certain scenes. And it's the boy that's doing it, this kid (laughs) that we learn that he's actually got knowledge of earth and stuff. um, And he keeps, like, playing, like, weird um, tricks on people and so on the slaves on this other thing these these enslaved people and th- th- several times um, when they first come to the castle so it follows the opening and there's there's a they've gone through and they, all the outside and they first come to the entrance of the castle there's a scene where like he's he's just shouting at the slave for once for doing it wrong and it's you know really sort of laying into him and you are like oh these are you know not serfs these are slaves. And you see them throughout the film. Um, mm-hmm. And I, they are treated... There's, there's scenes later on where you see them being beaten because they've got... An, an, in the background. And again, this is all background stuff as well. Like Not all of it's in the foreground. You just see like this one being whipped later on. Um, and you're mm-hmm. thinking, like that's just in the background. So like it's just there. Like If you don't notice it, you don't notice it, but it's there. And there's other things going on. And I just sort of... They're a, they're a, like, a ubiquitous part of this culture, this slavery but they're all and this is the, the interesting thing and that i was trying, they're all white and I, 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 I don't want to bring race into it but there's no there's no um question or there's no comment to say the that these are a minority or a subservient race or or a you know a, a minority in any way like they just they look like everybody else in that sort of thing they're just in stocks so uh, you don't know if they're a conquered people or if they're a it's just there and socioeconomic or yeah. yeah there's nothing to distinguish why they are in stocks or why he has been since his he was three that, that slavery structure is never explained either and I think that I kind of I was fascinated by that as well because they keep popping up and in some scenarios they seem to have more not influence but they they seem to be so in in some scenes when they're inside in particular they're like a part of Mm. the scene. Like they're engaged with, they are spoken to. They are. And once in a while, they say something that you think that would be a little cheeky for a slave. Right. Yes, like, yeah. And so there's like, you know, there's this thing of like, some slaves have got a better connection with their masters, stuff. Like, yeah, it's all very, very complex, but like, you don't get any information about it at all.
1: Well, I find the issue of slavery fascinating because, you know, obviously as an American, you know, we have, our own history, mm. which was shot through with racism mm. um, and, you know, it's really quite unforgivable. Um, you know, having said that slavery has been the norm throughout human civilization. The concept that, that slavery shouldn't exist is a very strange one in history and slaves never were defined by race. Mm. Sometimes they were the neighboring tribe, mm. but you know, um, you know, and it was harder to, you You don't enslave a Roman citizen, but I
0: mean, the Romans are slaves, and the majority of them looked like Romans, right? I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. But, so, but as you said, though, there'd be a socioeconomic factor into that, or they right. may, they may they, well, they would be Europeans, so they might be sort of like a conquered people, so they've been ferried in from maybe, Ger- you know, Germany or France, or oh, maybe France, but like parts of Central, you know, Austria or whatever, wherever it was, Central or North Europe. North Africa. Or North yeah. Africa. They would be ferried in, to be slaves there, but yeah, I don't know. They're just—it's just—it's the the fact of like they're just a part of the culture, and it's never explained—is—is is interesting.
1: Yeah, see, I like that because mm. because there is that part of me that just goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, that would be normal, right? Like mm. that's probably going to be normal uh for um a civilization um that's uh, at this point know, at in this history, point, yeah, yeah, right. Even though it wasn't a super it wasn't a normal part of you know uh, our middle ages in europe Mm. um yeah well you know um the other thing i wanted to touch on was this this depiction of this depiction of the middle ages and of um religion especially Mm. um you know and and i would say like historically beyond slavery was the norm um totalitarian states were the norm and theocracies were the norm, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 99.9% of all humans who have ever lived, um, well, at least post-agriculture, right? So, you know, let's talk about post-agrarian societies. Um, you know, lived under a theocratic dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Um, and where, you know, the king was also the head of the church. And, you know, God was on his side. And your job like, was to...
0: I like the way you're saying was, as if I don't still don't live in a country where the monarch <laughs> is still the head of the church uh, and appointed by God and all that kind of crap. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and that's disgusting to me. But then, you know, like, look, um, you know, just, just yesterday I was listening to, um, I was listening to a report on poverty in this country and how much money from the welfare budget, from the federal welfare budget, States then take and allocate to Christian summer camps and stuff like Mm
0: -hmm. this and
1: marriage, you know, uh, proposals and stuff like this on the idea that that's really the good way to fight poverty is to get more souls for Christ. Right. Because, you know, the prosperity gospel nonsense. But, you know. Um, And also marriage is slightly correlated to being out of poverty, but that doesn't mean you just get get more people to marry each other and that'll be the solution without need to feed them. (laughs) Um, So we're funneling my tax dollars to, you know, Christian, you know, theocratic nonsense. And and this is going on all the time here and always has. So we talk a good game, but we're really full of shit as anyone else and probably more full of shit than you guys are. Uh, despite your head of state, um, but it's debatable, but, you know, we, we you know, and I do see, you know, there's a rise of, you know, this movie is very prescient. Mm. And, you know, besides that, we've watched the rise of fascism, uh, you know, in our lifetimes in the last, you know, 15, 20 years and the rise of real theocratic movements, especially in my country, but mm-hmm. also in yours of, you know, this is a Christian country. Are you out of your mind? You know, let me show you what a Christian country looks like. Yeah. It looks like hard to be a god. And that's not a knock on Christianity. Anytime that religion, you know, look, I mean, let's be let's be clear. I love the Dalai Lama, okay? The Dalai Lama is a cool guy in interviews. The Dalai Lama presided over a theocratic dictatorship where the vast majority of people were poor. This is not unique to Christianity. Um I'm not knocking Christianity here, but I do think there's there's something to this.
0: Oh no, I yeah, agree. I was, I was especially in the medieval, you know, to take that medieval tract again. As you said, so, like, you know, Christianity was introduced to this country through the Roman Empire, um, you know, and it was set up and, and took off like it really did. I mean, you know, it became following um, the collapse, and that, like I say that chaos after it became a fundamental part of it. Like those in charge were ordained by God. Like, you know, you had to have a bishop or, or you're a, a priest on your side, wherever it was. And obviously that goes even further, that we then had a monarch later on who disagreed with the Pope and was like, you know, well, screw it then. I'll make my own denomination of Christianity and I'll do whatever the, whatever the hell I want. Um, and being the head of the church could do so in this country. Um, but you're right. But I think, you know, there is this, but there's there's a weirdness of this because to 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 this and this is obviously goes back to the history. Yes, we were a Christian country um, during the medieval period, like this country. And but there was no church. There wasn't church like now. This wasn't you know. There's this weirdness. There's this, there's this odd view that like even in you know they were pulling up mud or crops or whatever, and then we'd all go to church on Sunday. Like that that wasn't the case. It was still very mm. much. um a, you know, village by village or whatever, and if you you know if you did pray, it would probably be within your own home, and there would still be all these other things. It was still very sort of thing, but you feared God. However, there was still the hangover of, and I'm, I'm not going to say pagan or or those things, but there's a folkloric um hangover that that lived through all of this that got interwoven with christianity i mean medieval christianity is so replete with witchcraft and not evil witchcraft like folkloric medicines and beliefs and all this other stuff that like um it was all part and parcel like you could believe in god and this other thing but you could still believe in fairies and gnomes and goblins, all these other creatures, as well as witches and curses and burying a potato on the third moon and whatever the oh, hell you uh-huh. do, all part and parcel of it. And so there's a real sort of um, – although there was a theocracy like as well, to the theocratic top, whoever was at the top ordained by God, I often wonder, and I-, I think this won't be the case, you could go, right, so-and-so's at the top, you know, King Canute's at the very top of the tree – but let's go and visit this village in, you know, mm. what what would have been rural Leicestershire at the time. Do they know who's at the top of the tree? Do they care, other than who is their lord? Because that's who they owe their fealty to mm. or whatever. I'm not sure that would have been, it was more about like, yeah, that belief system was more about fear within the home and within the impersonal than being sort of like oppressed from above when they have to pay taxes and stuff. But I think that comes a bit later. I think that the true theocracy comes towards the end of the middle ages and into the Renaissance sort of time <clears throat> in, in, in different times.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know what you're saying and you know, it's, it's worth pointing out that like as Christianity first spread, it spread in rural areas. Right. I mean, and and it's also clear you're talking about Christianity once it was dominant, uh, still embracing uh, pagan traditions. Yeah. But, you know, the whole concept of Christianity was always already uh, a mixture of, mm. you know, Jesus plus the Greco-Roman world. Because, you know, Jesus said, I'm not here for people who aren't circumcised, okay? Mm. Jesus explicitly said, you know, I don't care about you if you're not circumcised. Uh, The Gentiles, I have no message for them whatsoever. Said that, right? Mm. Indisputably, uh, you know, and then suddenly he's died. I have a vision, his life is for everyone. And suddenly he was resurrected in a story very much like, you know, other stories. And suddenly, you know, there was an attempt to kill him as a baby, very much like other stories. And, you know, there's this massive shift from anything recognizably Jewish into this weird amalgam religion. But then, you know, and that, so, and that at first succeeds most in, in rural areas. It's not going to go over well in Athens. Um, But then over time, as you say, it becomes like a a Christian, you know, empire, Um, Christian theocracy in different areas. But as you say, so we have the term heathen yeah. because you know you were people of the heath mm. who didn't believe because christianity never penetrated the countryside and yeah. it still hasn't to this day and that's why we have halloween and we have you know all these other adaptations um you know and easter looks the way it is you know like uh um uh, yeah there's a there's a lot that, and then over here you know i mean christians get mad at that and say you know but then It's like, well, it's always been intermixed and strange. But I mean, as far as the the totalitarian theocracy thing goes, like, yes, I mean, it's important to point out that like the concept of totalitarianism, when we think of totalitarianism, we think of the 20th century version, in which it was possible to really control everything, right? Um, And today, you know, we can monitor your thoughts virtually you know certainly your computer searches um but certainly by the middle of the 20th century you know the nazis and you know the the fascists were able to really control mm-hmm. all aspects of life in a way that like babylonian rulers who are absolutely you know or egyptian absolute the theocrats absolutely totalitarian can walk down the street and kill anyone they want and did um and yet you know, uh, and yet, you know, you, you you know, go 10 miles outside of uh, Cairo and nobody knows what's going on out there, right? There's yeah. no state control five miles outside of the, the capital city. I mean, and that wasn't even true until, you know, the 1800s, that there was any kind of state control of the countryside. Just not something, you know, outside of a tax collector comes around once in a while. You just had no contact with Paris. You know, you didn't speak the same language.
0: Yeah. And the same is, like, yeah, London was, was, you know, I'm assuming there'd be some people you know, pre-industrial resolution that would be like, I've sort of heard of this place. <laughs> I've <don't know, laughs> no idea what it is. But like I said, the fealty would have been to the, the lord of the manor. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the things that's, um, you know, not even an architecture, it still exists within our, um, even here. So I live I live next to a small I don't know. It's, a, it's not a town, it's a village But it's a large village say, that's grown uh, Called Misham, it's literally the next village over that way And next to, as you just leave it slightly There's a place called Misham Manor Farm we were talking about today, called Misham Manor Farm And there's like a, a gatehouse It's literally called the gatehouse Next to what would have been the gate To the two con- uh, big stone posts That would have been a gate And there's a farmhouse at the top And the farmhouse is very large It's the former manor house, it's now a farm right? Um. But that was the house, that was the manor house that looked over this area, this farmland. Mm. And, and before Misham was all these other things, there was a there was a, a river that eventually became a canal, and all these things were, were used. but was you you knew the manor house. You either uh, you were either a yeoman, in which means you owned your land, but you still had fealty to this manor house and the Lord of the Manor, or you rented your land after the of this person. And that was what you cared about, right? Can I pay my rent? Am I going to be able to feed my family? Like, there was no care really beyond that, you know, of like, oh, we've got a king and queen or whatever until mm-hmm. much later. Mm-hmm. And I think this comes with, and I've dropped it a few times this idea of like Mas- Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you're still in that bottom tier, <laughs> those bottom couple of tiers where you're trying to, you know, ensure security and food and safety and stuff for your family and yourself don't really give a monkeys about what's going on up here. Like you just can't, mm-hmm. you haven't got the capacity to do that. And that comes much later on. I think as, as you say, as sort of like um, agriculture really becomes, you know, grows and the things, cities start to grow. And we start to see sort of the introduction of like um, the late middle ages and, and into sort of like the Tudors and the Stuarts and Henry the Eighth and, you know, those sorts of monarchs um, that people really did start to pay attention a bit more. Um, but yeah, and the only other thing that's interesting in this, in this, and I think it must be the same in others, is you may have had the manor, you may have also had an abbey, mm-hmm. and that would have held some sway over your area as well because people would have done pilgrimages to those places, or they'd have had some sway over, like, you've got to pay for the abbey because it's in your area, mm-hmm. uh, and all this other stuff. So it would have been there, but it's was like you say, it wouldn't have been, I don't know, it's an interesting, I'm always fascinated how that would have worked in those kind of ways
1: um, you know I'm always amazed by how it's just kind of like rough and tumble everything always has been
0: and ooh. always will
1: be and how much like the rules matter much less than the way people really implement them
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, there's tons of stuff today that's you know illegal but nobody's ever you know prosecuted for it it's like it's illegal to jaywalk but unless you do it everybody does it 20 times a day and unless yeah. you do it in front of a cop and the cop wants to make a point of it you know nobody cares um you know so you know there's a lot of stuff and then you get into like selective enforcement and everything else um you know teaching history it's like the the number one thing you know, when you talk about your impending history that you've got to struggle with is students thinking the pope ran everything mm. you know that people did what you know the cat everyone was catholic and the people did what the catholic church said uh-uh You know, like, yes, in theory, every monarch said, I love the Pope. (laughs) The is awesome in his wisdom. But then what's the Pope going to do if you just decide not to, you know, to drag your feet on this and to say you're honoring it? And you see the same thing in Japan where, you know, yes, the emperor has said something, but there's some prefecture that's just like, no, we're not going to do that. And we think that we're honoring the emperor's true intentions
0: by doing
1: that. You know, and so everybody debates that and in reality, it's just all a mess, and nobody has the sort of control that they do theoretically.
0: Well, it's day by day, isn't it? And that's what I think. I think you know when you go to, yeah, you know, it's it's day by day. Like the, these people in the village, or there's really rural parts of of you know of medieval Europe. They weren't planning years ahead you know they weren't planning months ahead. Often they were going right we've got to get through this season so I've got to get this mm-hmm. crop done so I need to be able to do this and this that was it like that's the only thing or, right I need my cattle to do this or my sheep to do this or whatever like that was the, the it was survival it wasn't uh, and this is one of these things that, um, I find funny that these scientists have obviously gone to this place they've become natives or whatever but you sometimes see like t- uh, there's a film called Time slides or something like that it was a, it was a dean Kuntz, I think it was a dean coons book as well uh where you get these scientists end up going back to medieval england as well and i'm like if any modern person goes back to any form of in, in any part of the medieval period you will not last you're either going to be starve and die um exposure because also they don't talk like us their language their version of mm. english is mm-hmm. so vastly different of course you wouldn't be able to make any yeah. you know make, make yourself understood um or they would think you're talking gibberish be scared of you and kill you so mm-hmm. you know it's, it's it's a violent dangerous place i think um but one of the things that i think that was watching this i wanted to touch on just as we get close to the end that jumped into my head and I was like, this is clearly unintentional, but you said the, the, the majority of murder and all this other stuff. And you've talked about this uh, part of structure. I couldn't help but think of Monty Python and the Holy Grail mm-hmm. when I was watching this film at times. Um And two scenes that came up in my head. Uh, the one, as we just talked about as control is when, uh, Arthur comes across those people that are like mud harvesting, and he says, "I am your king. I am King Arthur." And he says, "Ooh, I don't remember voting for you." <laughs> like, and there's this whole thing about like, we're an autocratic group of you know, and they go through this whole thing of what they are. And I was like, for some reason that jumped into my head. But the other one with everything that was going on and how crazy this thing was, you know, the scene where they come to Camelot and they go, "Let's go to Camelot," and they have this whole dances. Let's not go there. It's a silly place. I, for some reason, that jumped in my head a little bit when I was watching this in some of the internal scenes. I was like, let's not go there. This is a silly place. Um, and I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake some of it. Because of the bizarreness of this, there was like mm. this this swings from vulgarity and shock true shock in some cases of like not goriness like you know the bit with the 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 intestines falling out i'm kind of fine with that i've seen enough horror films to be like yeah fine but the scenes of all the bodies hanging Mm. is shocking the battle scene where the kids sort of like (laughs) stealing from the bodies and and messing with the corpses was shocking but then it like virtues to like such um, almost like ridiculousness in other scenes. It's like jarring. Cause it's almost like I'm, I'm, it's almost comedic in its, in its, it, you know, its presentation, but not comedic. If you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I also think of that, that head floating in wander- water. Yes. You know, that they, they fish out. That seems so like Kurosawa, that shot to me. Uh, it, it's really beautiful, but mm. um, it's just so understated, you know? Um, but you know that's not a, a word that we would often use about this movie. Um, but you know, so you're talking about the extreme, and it does. I know what you're saying. I don't seem to have that effect mm-hmm. I, I, in my brain. Um, I know it. I know that it's something that exists. But uh, to me, I always think of it as like the Titus Andronicus effect,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Where it's mm-hmm. like
1: it's so it's so over the top that yes, it's violence. Yes, it's terrible but that at a certain point, other people start to laugh, you know, and it almost becomes farcical. Mm. Um, and I know that's a thing that happens, but I, I don't seem to get that. I'm just like, oh, this is, this is just unrelenting horror. And I do find myself wondering, like, is this realistic, you know, like a society that's at this level of daily slaughter? Obviously, it's been ratcheted up by the order. But yeah. you know, this is not a typical week in
0: you know um, this town. No, because there's the threat of the order throughout the whole film, and that sort of again is quite high is, is highlighted. That's so. This is a, this is a particular time that it feels like everything's gone is in a heightened state because of this threat. Like it feels like this is, may not be um, mm-hmm. typical. Like there'd be more, there'd be a bit more, little bit less going on. <clears throat> excuse me, on a typical day, because if it was this heightened the entire time, like, it'd drive you insane. You'd drive. This yeah. is this is shell shock kind of territory, like you know World War One shell shock kind of territory. If you were this heightened the entire time, uh, yeah.
1: Like on the one hand, this is this is around this massacre. Right. Mm. Which, like, you know, and and the original novel is part of like a whole set of novels, you know. Oh, really? The Noon Universe or whatever, um, you know, that didn't, that evolved into this sort of like shared universe of, uh, you know, sort of communist like federation that, you know, uh, sends people out to these planets. Um,
0: But the communist version of Dune.
1: Well, like a communist version of the federation of uh, Star Trek. Trek. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, yeah, of course the communists are going to win and they have no need for money and no need mm. for big. basically all material resources are solved, um, but they send people out. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, so So in that sense, this is about this massacre, right, mm. that happened and the events surrounding it. So this is a heightened moment in history. Um, but at the, uh, on the other hand, there is a comfort with death and even one's own death because it's, you know, uh, a daily occurrence. You're around it. We've talked about how divorced we are Mm. from the realities of death. That was not true in the Middle Ages. (laughs) I mean, and even just animal death. I mean, the the amount of just corpses and just dead animals and, you know, fetid filth and everything was just constant. So... This does that very well.
0: It does. All right. So I think we're starting coming to come into the end. We're going to start coming to the end on this one. And so, um, it's. An, I'm going to give my final thoughts because it's interesting because we have praised this film. We 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 do this thing of of <laughs> we'll take a film we really like and then pick it to pieces mm-hmm. and we get to the end of the podcast mm-hmm. and we're like, no, we generally like this film. Um, one thing I've got to say is this. I was I thought about this and I've sort of rolled it around in my brain. And I've thought about a lot of the films that we've watched um, in particular, sort of like, you know, non-English speaking. So a lot of the foreign language films and, and and stuff outside of my usual, my usual purview and how we take in those different cultures and we go, oh, yeah, we, we, we either like it or we can see what there is, or there's something we can, you know, we can, or that's unusual or whatever. Um, but they're always films. They're always a movie in the sense of there's a, there's, there's a narrative and it could be extreme and it can be whatever but there's a narrative and whilst you and I have sort of peddled out a plot or a, a you know, a, a narrative to this film, it's not, it, it takes work to find it. Like it's not explicitly there. You have to sort of, it ta- You know, I think I now know more about this film, having talked it through with you in my <laughs> head, in my own head. I've got, oh yeah, of course that's what's happening. And I feel that than when I watched it, it's a difficult watch. It's not fun. In, in cases, I found this. I found this gruellingly boring in some scenes, but other scenes fascinating and almost like I couldn't stop watching them. Um, to me, this is in. I'm I'm not an art house movie watcher. I find them tedious, pretentious, and that sort of thing. This is possibly the first film that I will say is not a movie. This is a three hour piece of art. This is something that where that is visually, technically, uh, and experimentally v- impressive and a sight to see. I think it's layered, but visually, I think that that uh, is is fascinating how they've layered it and, and stuff. It it got a visceral reaction out of me. <laughs> I, I really struggled with it physically, um, <laughs> and I think so, it, which is what art is supposed to do you know this film affected me like a piece of art it's not something i want to own on blu-ray it's not something where i'm like that's going to be in heavy rotation with gremlins you know this is not a film i'm going to sit and watch again it's it's you'd have to be mentally prepared to watch this film it's i i see this in the same way that if i was to sit and um uh, if I was to sit in a cinema to watch this, it, it, it's it's to, it's to experience it. This is an experience that you go, wow, that's really I I've, can't believe that's been done. But it's not a narrative film. But you well, know, I,
1: I I think that's going too far. Um, I mean, I I will agree with you that um, a description of this film of a three hour depiction a three-hour movie in which things happen right there's an arc (laughs) to this character right i mean he he resists getting involved and then he gets involved and he winds up he hasn't killed anyone you know he Mm -hmm. cuts off you know he's headed and he winds up going all around and killing people Mm. um and then totally goes native and refuses to go back to earth i mean there's a character arc there this there is a narrative It might not be the media's narrative, it might not be the clearest narrative, but there's a narrative, there's a story here. Um, I also think of, you know, like one of my favorite films of all time is uh, the documentary Koi Anaskazi, which is a documentary, but ostensibly has no narrative, right? Now, everything has a narrative in some sense because you put things, you juxtapose them in sequence and our brains see a pattern. Right. Yeah. And say, oh, you're going from, you know, purple to red or, you know, uh, from this to that, whatever. Um, so, I mean. To me, what you're saying. So, first of all, I would say that. The description of this as a three hour long, which we've both owned uh, up to, uh, that's largely incoherent from your first viewing, certainly lots of sentences, lots of motivations are, are, are opaque, Mm -hmm. um you're immersed in this other culture it's as much about the feeling of being immersed in that culture as it is narrative i don't think that means it's not a movie or a film um you know to me um you know so and and i don't separate art from movies so to me you know uh every movie is a piece of art it might be just doing different things right it Mm. might be art. it might so you know i mean I know people who are like, well, I'm not a writer. Well, you put words on a page, you're a writer, right? You know, it doesn't have to be uh, war and peace for you to be a writer, right? Um So to me, I don't hold art up as the special notion. Um But yes, there's a version of this that is, that sounds like the most stereotypical art house European movie, <laughs> you know, imaginable but this is exactly the kind of movie that I would own on blu ray <laughs> and I would never own gremlins now on any given night, if gremlins or this is on TV, I don't have the emotional energy at the time to get through hard at how to be a God. Right. And I'm probably tired. I've been working all day. I want to watch chill out and watch gremlins. Right. Oh, I'm glad that's on TV. Okay. Um, or I'm scrolling, doom scrolling, you know, through Netflix. And, <laughs> okay. You know, gremlins. Yeah, let's do that. Um, hard to be a God is on canopy or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, not tonight. But, um, you know, I think about, this is the kind of movie that I want to watch again. I will watch this again. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, you know, I think that when we talk about how many movies are three hours long now,
0: oh, that have yeah. nothing to say. Yeah.
1: And, and that maybe they're punchy punchy and they're entertaining, but, but, I don't feel nourished afterwards, mm. right? And so, yes, nine times out of ten, I'm probably going to reach for uh, the junk food, uh, you know, and, and I don't consider Gremlins junk food, but, you know, I'm going to reach for, you know, the new whatever movie, right? Uh, action movie, fine. But then, uh, you know, I, I do feel more nourished after this. And I think, yes, if three hours is... It's a lot to ask of somebody, um, especially given the the fact that you have to think while watching this movie, right? But I've watched plenty of horrible, appalling movies <laughs> that I didn't have to think about and left the theater, or you know, or the experience going. I never want to think about that movie again. Like at best, that was mildly entertaining. Um, I'm embarrassed for my country that that movie exists um I'm kind of embarrassed that this is what people in you know uh Indonesia think about my country you know <laughs> um and you know so to me I'd probably be a better person if if I watched how to you know hard to be a God instead of that other movie
0: maybe that's the point I think, yeah I think we're, we're, we're coming it very similarly but I think the point I'm, I think you're right maybe I'm not articulated and not able to sort of explain it in the right way because i'm differentiating the two i say you know i know what you're saying about films being art this is more is the, the entertainment piece like right? the point of many of the films good bad or and i agree that there are that films are massively over long these days and don't need to be um for no that for no real purpose um and are aimed to be entertainment so there's the punchy punchy or there's the sort of like the sentimental piece or there's whatever and it's all there driven by a certain thing this film what i'm trying to what's the difference i'm trying to make let's cut let's let's say if it was percentage wise right let's say there's a scale uh where i'm watching uh, let's i don't know let's use a, a film that's quite plot driven like there's a film that's quite tightly plotted OK, there could be an outhouse film, Usual Suspects or, or something, you know, the way they've tried to make it a complex plot, or, you know, or a, a mystery Tinker thriller. Taylor. Tinker Tailor is a great example, right? But the, the, Tinker Tailor is tightly plotted. It's, it's you know, it's got all these sort of things and these interwoven characters, the dialogue is sharp and all this other stuff. Like you're invested in that because it's 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 a tightly woven plot that you you have to think about it, right? Then you've got obviously the, the popcorn, pop kind of stuff You've got those films. You've got that film. Tinker Tail is a good example, actually, where I'm giving it all my energy. I'm I'm weaving out the plot, but I feel I'm I'm for me this is the thing. I'm taking that as a piece of art. It's well acted. The performances are good. Whatever, and I'm I come away feeling nourished because I've had to work my way through a plot, and I follow those characters and the, the and the events that well this happened because of this conversation. This 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 suspect or this happened or this happened like as a result of that thing happening, and so I'm driven by that. And I enjoy that, and that's going to take me somewhere. This film to me is more about and I get and I, I, that. Sorry, I think it evokes something from me because it's 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 engaging me in that way. This evokes something different. This evokes something in the same way as, um it's it's a mood piece is the only way i can think of it. there must be a better word for it but it's a mood piece like this is an immersive thing that is challenging you viscerally like it's this is you know more so than any horror film you know watching sort of uh, any of those video nasties or banned films or sort of like you know cannibal holocaust or or you know whatever it's going to be this film is is basically showing you like a, a horrible horrible place and then going like You're gonna be. You're here for for the duration. (laughs) Yeah, and and you know, and that that's it's it's like a, a, a it's an endurance test, but in the same way that it's going like look at literally look at this pile of shit you know, as in a a, a literal pile of shit in the film, and here's this mud, and here's these chickens and dogs that are covered in filth, and it's wet, and it's muddy, and these people are are ignorant and suffering and all this other stuff. Like, here it is. But on the same time, it's going, look at how well this has been made. Mm, (laughs) Like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going, like, I'm literally watching this going, like, this is fascinating. I'm watching these two guys sat on this hill. There's clearly something going on there. And I'm looking in the background at all these other things that are going on and the way this is layered and all these other different bits. As you said, the set dressing and the way it's organized to be either expansive or claustrophobic and all these other things. And so I'm looking at it and going, there is no there is no tight plotting going on here. You and I have, have hammered out a narrative, and you're right, there is a character arc. But it's not, this isn't a, a detailed, emotional Payoff at the end. There's no sort of rousing moment or big battle or there's nothing of like him screaming as he runs out of the the castle with his, with his broadsword wielding. Like you know, he doesn't scream freedom as he sort of jumps out onto the battlefield or anything like that. I'm Thank not saying, yeah, I know, I know, I get, I get yeah. that. My point is that sort of like this is a mood piece. This is there just to go. This is it, and you take from it whatever the hell you want, and you know, deal with it however you want, and and almost. I feel like Terry Gilliam sort of does that a little bit at times where you'll get like Gilliam's doing a plot, but then there's going to be a whole piece where he's going like, Oh, but also like there's this and you're going to have to deal with it. However you want to deal with it. Um, And so, yeah, but so that's what I'm saying, like, it felt like a, a, it's, it's an experience I've not really had in what I would say is a, is a film experience. Like I would say this is more, I've seen this uh, watching documentaries Of different battlefields especially like the world some of the world war one and world war two stuff but especially the trenches of world war one um just of that visceral filth of having to survive in that environment um but also like i've seen paintings and other things that have evoked a similar reaction to me where you just like Mm. you know in the same way i'm going like i'm really Impressed and you know by the artistic talent and skill that's gone into creating this, but I'm struggling to look at the image that's being presented to me. And I, I kind of appreciate that, and I don't appreciate. It. I, <laughs> did you know what I mean? Does that make sense? What I'm I saying? do? Yeah, I
1: mean, the way I would put that is like if. You know, there's, uh, there are art museums that have video installations, mm, mm. um, many of whom I've, I've, been very affected by, um, I would not feel this out of place playing in a video installation in, in a museum. Yes. Um, on the one hand, that is a tremendous, uh, kudos for a science fiction movie, right? Mm. Like how, ast- how astonishing, um. Well, let's not forget. Two thousand one has bits like that, right? Mm. I mean, and and is not a normal narrative. You know, you can summarize it in a sentence, um, but and goes on digressions and whatever else. But um, it has more narrative than this, right? For sure. But I mean, this would be comfortable being played in a gallery, in a museum, yes. which is on the on one hand high praise, and on another, like it's not what most people come to a movie for.
0: Exactly. Right?
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, I do think that uh, the, I mean, I I think it's masterful. I don't know how to rate it because no, I don't, you know, I don't,
0: I don't. Yeah,
1: it's like so many things are off the charts good, and then yeah. other things are like off the charts bad. But then I don't know that the movie cares about those things. Yeah, right? <laughs> so or, or how you fair, feel,
0: or the, how you feel about them. Like it doesn't yeah. care. Yeah.
1: Well, and I and I think that's kind of great.
0: Um, yeah, I yeah, think so, if this is when we get to the end of the series, when we get to the end of this season, and we come back to sort of like rating the second half. This is going to be a tough one for me. me like I, I I don't like it if that's it, as a, it's a film that like, you know we're going to watch uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine next, which is obviously you know right. I, I think it's you know I'll hide on my face towards that, but it's a very different kind of film, and I'm like, and that's long, and again mm-hmm. I'll be like, yeah that's film i can go oh it's technically good i like the narrative i like the actors you know you have those typical categories to be able to go i can take that one take that one cross that one whatever i can't do that with this
1: yeah and and again if i were making this i would i would you know keep all of that stuff but i would Mm. you know maybe cut you know 15 minutes i would open with like the people on earth uh you know reviewing the found footage uh you know and and mentioning like you know okay so he's this, you know this is the trial in absentia for so-and-so you know Mm. and then you'd go into it and you know you'd be like okay well this is the footage we have right it's gonna have weird cuts it's Mm. gonna have stuff that's unexplained um you know and it's amazing how much a little bit would give me more of what I'm looking for in terms of those narrative anchors for that yes,
0: you know, lack means. of ambiguity. One um, thing I will, yeah, and I think that's it, because we've really got to sort of start wrapping up. Yeah. One one other thing I will say is you and I, you know, we, we, do, we don't really cover short stories or novels or anything like that. We've never done that. Maybe something we'll eventually get to. We might do some as, a, as an extra for the Patreon. But one thing this has highlighted to me, because we've obviously talked about We've, we've covered Solaris, which is based, you know, um, Stanislav, Stanislav Lem, obviously wrote that book. Uh, uh, I can't pronounce the guys of the name who wrote the two guys that wrote uh, Roadside Picnic, which is obviously another Russian novel. This is based in a whole, this is a, a single story within a, a wider shared universe, you say, of Russian literature. But all this is like Soviet-era literature, which I have to say, like, my knowledge of of, of is is zero, at this point, like I've watched several of the films. I really want to watch Stalker and I really want to cover that at some point, but I know nothing about these books. And I, it's made me think now about, um, of this similar era, these sixties and seventies kind of, era. you know, we're thinking of, um, I'm look at the, um, the foundation series or some Philip yeah. Dick books or this Western idea of and, and things that were created. Star Trek, the original series, these notions of sort of science fiction and stuff versus the communist you know, behind the iron curtain kind of thing. There was still stuff being created, and I think there's something there to explore more in some of these areas, which I'd be I'd be kind of interested to look at at some point in the future. Anyway, that's yeah. my final thought. Any final thoughts? Well, this?
1: I agree with that. I think that uh, all of our con- various countries' uh, uh, history of film and history of literature should be put in dialogue with each other, mm. and that it's when you do that you you get really great stuff. Um, You know, just as a final thought, I I would agree with you. I would really like to recut this film um, and, you know, we'll call it uh, America 2100 if Donald Trump wins. (laughs) Not far off.
0: Mm. Letter from a Floridian.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I like the Judge Dredd reference. Yeah. (laughs) yeah i mean this this is is frightening it, it, you know it is both a visceral film but also i do think that it has a message that is compelling for me
0: yeah uh, it's it's interesting uh, i'm interested to see as you know let's say to all ladies ladies gentlemen as always thank you very much for listening and everything else we say come and check it out this is a, one of those films that we do you know we've covered a lot of pop culture stuff we've covered all kinds of different bits and pieces <clears throat> from different languages um this is one of the ones where I'll be fascinated. I'm honestly fascinated if anybody has either watched this for this review or if any other point that you've come across it. Because um, as, as Julia said, you know, he said in the past, last episode before we got into it, this has appeared on a number of lists of sort of like top science fiction films of all time, most of, you know, all this other stuff. Like, And it is a fascinating piece of study. And I'll be interested to find out what other people think of this. What do you think of Hard to be a God? If you read the novel, if you read the books, I'd be really interested to know, you know, is this or is this a real hold sack for some people of sort of like their knowledge and stuff? Is it, you know, we, we sort of poking it into the shadows. Uh, but anyway, for now, uh, please let us know. If you enjoy what we're doing, please leave a review. Uh, let us know what you think of both us and our reviews. Um, and also, please check out our Patreon because we're doing more and more of that. If you really like what we do on, on uh, Stories Out of Time and Space, then there is more of Julian and I doing stuff like this. We've covered off Battle Royale 2, so we've covered off more Transformers, G1, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy 1981 TV series, and there's more to come with, with Blade Runner 2049. So, and, of course, three seasons of The Twilight Zone. I was going to say, yeah, trekking like, through The Twilight wow. Zone. We've done loads of stuff on that, which is fantastic. Some great episodes. So go check out the, the hours and hours of content you could get for just £5 a month. Loads and loads of content on there. So, anyway, for now, this has been a long one. Hope you enjoyed it. And, Lizio, we shall see you on the next episode. There's something
1: very important I forgot to tell you. What? Don't cross the streams.